This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back in our archive to early 2014 where we have a hangout with Adrian Warnock. Adrian is one of the leaders of Jubilee Church in London. He's also a well-known Christian blogger and tweeter. And Adrian will be talking about how we can use technology in order to grow our churches and our church plants. You can find this full hangout, including the Q&A with Adrian after his material and all the notes at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode six. So here's Adrian. Hi, guys. I'm hoping you can see my slides. Is that right? That's right. Excellent. Great. So the title of today's talk is Using Technology to Grow Your Church Plant. Um, and uh, it would be great to have a discussion session. And uh, if one or two people are uh, logging on live to watch this who are not in the room as well, uh, we'll have a discussion section at the end. And so please uh, tweet those questions. You can either tweet them to at Adrian Warnock or tweet, tweet them um, via the broadcast folks. Right. Now then, there am I. And there's the title slide. So let's get on. And I would ask that people mute their sound because I'm getting a horrible echo. That's better. All right. So just a little bit about me. Um, you've already heard about me. I don't want to say say too much, but this is a picture of my blog. And you're right. I've been there for, well, not on this particular website, but I've been blogging for more than 10 years. Uh, and I'm part of Jubilee Church in London, uh, which, um, as I'm sure most people on this call know, is part of New Frontiers. And I think most people on this call are also New Frontiers guys. So that's uh, great to uh, be with you all, and we're going to talk about technology. Now, I think it's really important, and the real nub of the whole thing, really, is communication. There's no question that these technologies that we're going to address tonight, uh, their real focus is on making communication better um, and enabling us to communicate in ways that we haven't been able to at any time in existence until uh, the last few years, really. So we're living in the middle of a revolution. But the same principles of communication uh, really do count. And I think it's quite straightforward, really, um, that you have to understand this whole, uh, I call it the process of communication. Uh, and the first thing is you have to have a clear vision. You need, you need to know where you're going, what you're trying to achieve, what your uh, long-term goal is, if you like. What, why are you doing what you're doing? What, what's the point? Why are we bothering? Um, and, and what is it that we want to accomplish by bothering? Now, the second thing we want to do is obviously think about the goal. So you've got a piece of communication that you're considering doing in front of you. Uh, and the question is real simple. What am I trying to achieve with this specific piece of communication? What's the purpose of it? Why am I doing it? Now, um, then um, after that, you need to think about your audience and you need to think, you know, what is uh, the type of people that we're trying to reach um, and what, what, what do we know about them? We need to contextualize. Uh, and we need to think about the, the type of audience and what, therefore, uh, is the message that that audience needs to hear in order to reach the goal that we're doing, in order to make our vision accomplished, uh, but also what method we're going to use to communicate. Whereas perhaps in the past, you know, you may have been limited a bit uh, in terms of the methods you could use to communicate. 
you know, it tends to be either you write a letter um, or you speak to someone, whether it be in a large group or in a small group. But even there, you've got a bit of gradation in how you communicate. But I think with all the other tools that we've got in front of us uh, today, um, that whole process of thinking about your message and your method um, can be quite interesting. And the method uh, can influence the message also, actually. And, and, and certainly, for example, you can't write a whole theological paper in a single tweet. But what you can do is perhaps... Uh, summarize that theological paper into a few characters and put a link to it in the tweet. Uh, but really, no one will then read it unless the tweet itself is enticing and, uh, and wants to draw you in. So obviously, the, the method does partly at least mold the message, but hopefully not as much as your goal and your vision. So what is the vision and why are we interested in the internet? Well, first of all, I would say, and all these other tools, why, what I would say, first of all, is you are called, first and foremost, to build the local church. And I think it's really important not to forget that. I am obviously a bit of an internet evangelist, as people call it. But at the same time, uh, I think the local church is what's essential. And that's why I like the title of today's talk, which is, how can we use these tools to help us build, really, the church? Uh, and my own pastor, Topi Curlioso, um, has a, a great phrase, which I think is really important for us to perhaps repeat to ourselves sometimes. Is that, Look, you are not called to pastor the whole world. You really are not. You're not called to pastor the world. Um, none of us on this call are called to pastor the world. And I think that's a great place to start. Uh, and nothing can take the place of um, face-to-face discipleship. Um, these tools can assist, can help for sure. Um, but face-to-face is always going to trump. It's always going to be better. Uh, it's always going to be the thing that, that we really need more, more than anything. Uh, face-to-face um, is, is where it's all at. Um, and so don't allow technology to become your master. You mustn't serve technology. Instead, you must force it to serve you. And trust me, sometimes, uh, well, sometimes, for example, with my blog, it can feel like the monster in my basement. You know, I, I've been feeding this monster now for 10 years, uh, and it's kind of grown, and it's become an animal. It's almost got a life of its own. Uh, but every now and then, I, I whack it on the head, uh, and I put it in its place and say, no, um, and maybe take a break, you know, and I'll often do that over Christmas. So I'm just probably going to be doing exactly that in the, some point in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I have been known to switch the whole thing off for a month because it doesn't serve – it serves me. I don't serve it. Um, and with that, you do need to think about where you're at and what you're trying to achieve. And one thing I would say is after listening to this talk, start small – Build up what you're doing and assess what you're doing and don't be afraid to kill it if it's not working. Um, now, what about the internet? Um, there's two ways of looking at the internet and uh, this quote actually both ways comes from the same person. Uh, and the first way is to think, well, this is, these are media that, that shorten attention spans, that, that lure people away from the Bible and prayer, that disembody relationships, that make us narcissistic, uh, that call, cause us to fill the world with utter drivel, um, that shrink us, and that basically, um, you know, we should just boycott them and, and write books instead, not blogs. Forget about blogs, just write books. Well, it was John Piper that wrote that, but he also wrote this. He said, yes, there is some truth in all of that, but instead we should try and fill these media with as much reasonable, provocative, Bible-saturated, prayerful, relational, Christ-exalting, truth-driven, serious, creative pointers to true greatness as you can. And that's really why he uh, is on Twitter. And certainly he's one person that you might want to follow. Now, what about the internet and the local church? I mean, I think, to be fair, that the internet is a massive time waster. And probably the only thing that um, hinders or that's more of a time waster than the internet is perhaps the television. 
Um, people often say, how do you do what you do, Adrian? And I say, well, I don't watch much TV. Um, but, you know, equally, the internet can be a distraction, that's for sure. Uh, it allows pornography into our homes um, and into our children's bedrooms, potentially. Uh, so that's a real challenge for us. It produces this kind of sense of a global village. You can write something here and it'd be read on the other side of the world within a few seconds. Um, it's, um, I think, important for us as Christians to plunder the devil's tools. Um, and I, I think we must do that. But we must recognize that they are tools that are really neutral, actually. Um, they don't have to be used for good or for evil. They can be used for both. You know, the very same tools that we're using today could also equally be used um, by all kinds of people who are working against God's kingdom. Um, it's true to say that because of the internet and various other technological tools like Logos Bible software, which I use quite a lot and is available um, at a discount on my blog, and no, I'm joking, um, um, it means that we've got better access to Christian resources than we've had at any time in the last 2,000 years, really. Uh, and yet we are the most biblically illiterate generation for centuries. Uh, and I think that's a challenge for us and for uh, church leaders particularly. Um, so there is a massive opportunity. And I think for me, um, the key phrase here is just found in 1 Corinthians 9, where it says, oh, by all means, that I might save some. Um, and we should see that, um, that we can do um, a massive amount of good through the internet. And let's, let's recognize that. So some statistics to blow your mind. Um, there are 2.8 billion internet users. That's 40% of the world population. And in the UK, it's as much as 84% of the population are on the internet. So <clears throat> if you want to communicate uh, with the UK population, you kind of have to use the internet. These are great figures to show anyone who's a bit curious about why we're bothering to waste our time with all of this. I trust nobody on this call feels like that. But, you know, it's useful to persuade people sometimes and to, to show them. Uh, but mobile phone use is interesting. It's even higher, 6.8 billion, which is about 97% of the population. Although this figure is a bit hard to be sure about uh, because really sometimes um, it's hard to know who owns a mobile phone and who owns two. And so what we find in the UK, for example, that the number of mobile phones in the UK is higher than the UK population. So there's 123% penetrance of mobile phones in the UK. And that's because so many people do carry two, one for work, one for home. Um, so, but it's very, very high. Um, and actually, this is a true population figure um, from a survey that says that over half of the UK population currently today in 2013 own uh, either a smartphone or a tablet like an iPad. Um, so we're talking about Android, talking about iPhone, maybe BlackBerry, um, one of those um, or, and or a tablet. Um, so that's over half of people who have um, a, uh, the Internet in their hands, basically, wherever they go. Um, what about social media? Well, there's about 200 million active users and about 400 million tweets sent every day. 60% uh, of those are sent from a mobile phone, so it's a very personal, intimate thing. Um, and there are actually 15 million active users in the UK. So it's a pretty big thing in the UK. It's about a quarter of the population. Um, Facebook, well, they're even bigger. They have over a billion members worldwide, and about 60% of those people will log in on a given day. Obviously, um, it may not be the, entire, the same 60%. Uh, and so, for example, in the UK, 33 million British people log in at least once to Facebook every month. 
What about social media? So what? Well, it um, does create intense connections. People sometimes say, oh, it's not real relationships. That's, that's not true. Uh, the internet is every much part of the real world. Some people talk about online and offline as though somehow the online world isn't real. Well, it very much is real. People spend real time on it. They meet real people on it. They make real relationships on it and they make real collections, connections with it. Um, there is, of course, a tension between uh, the open personal world of the, of the internet um, where, you know, sometimes it feels like there is no such thing as a secret out there. Um, and, uh, you know, you do see some quite unfortunate things that are shared and you sometimes wonder whether privacy is being lost. Um, you know, I, I see that on just as simple as a Facebook status, you know. Um, although, interestingly, a lot of younger people now are becoming a bit wiser about that. And so certainly, I don't know how it is for you guys, but in our church, most of our 20s don't necessarily put their uh, suddenly in a relationship um, on their Facebook status. They, they wait a good few months or in some cases until they're engaged before it, uh, it becomes a Facebook thing, you know, because obviously uh, it can be a big deal. And I'm pretty glad that I am not dating in the age of Facebook because, you know, uh, sometimes people would um, go home and find themselves uh, no longer listed as being in a relationship with their girlfriend or boyfriend and discover that they're actually now um, listed elsewhere. It's got to be the cruelest way of breaking up with someone ever invented. Uh, also for you as a church, you know, especially perhaps as the church grows um, and if you get into any controversy, you know, unofficial well-meaning posts can be a major headache. Someone in your church uh, may think it's the best thing in the world to, to go online and uh, talk about how wonderful the church is um, or how bad someone is who who's opposed the leaders or something. And so next thing you know, they're gossiping uh, in, the, in, in perhaps a well-meaning way uh, online or, or perhaps being unwise in what they're saying. And, and that's a real challenge. And how you handle that? Well, um, you know, I, I, I think that's something we're going to have to learn together, really, over the next few years. Online connections do lead to offline friendships, and I've seen that several times. I'm very grateful for that. I think they can also enhance relationships. Um, there's no question, though, that a face-to-face -face relationship is infinitely superior to one even carried out over a, a web camera. And so I think we do need to uh, remember that. Um, and not allow our online world to, to cause the offline world to suffer, but to realize that the online world does give us opportunities. And we need to be aware that this is probably as addictive as crack cocaine at times. Um, and so to be very well aware of that, you know, just going to check my Twitter status one more time, has anyone added me, uh, can become every bit as compulsive as the, uh, as the drug addict seeking their let's next fix. Um, and our biggest need in all of this is for real world pastors and friends. So I think that's very important. And like anything else, um, talking to someone in the real world about what you're doing online is probably the most helpful thing you can do. And, and that really uh, brings me uh, on to, to the next point. What should bring me on to the next point? What can social media achieve? Well, it forges connections old and new. Uh, it is an evangelistic opportunity, but it's also an opportunity for sin, such as affairs with old flames. Um, sharing news, sharing ideas, crowdsourcing. So sometimes, you know, uh, I have seen, you know, pastors who are struggling with a Bible passage, you know, put out a plea on Twitter for people to to comment. Now you might want to address that up a little bit and make you not look quite so desperate. But actually sometimes um, you can find things. I mean, I found a great place to go on holiday by tweeting out saying, looking for a place to take a family of seven, which is not always easy uh, to find. 
And someone came right back with it and said, "Well, actually, my parents have a place. Would you be interested?" And uh, since then, we've gone uh, we've gone to that place every every year. I think for about three or four years now. Um, and you can also advertise. Although I must prefer the word promote here rather than advertise. It's not a helpful word really. Advertising makes you think you're selling something, but you can certainly promote events. Um, and there's even this thing called flash mobs, where if something you know gets picked up on Twitter, uh, you can suddenly find that your you know small party. Uh, it's attended by hundreds or thousands of people. So um, that's been a real challenge for people. Uh, but it can be a good thing if we use it in a, in a good way. And sometimes you can have campaigns and revolutions that take place over, uh, over social media. Um, internet effects on society really here. Um, there's this idea that the internet democratizes us all. It, um, there's a level playing field. So, you know, the small guy in his uh, bedroom uh, has every bit as much uh, ability to communicate with the masses as someone who's got a PhD um, and sometimes, you know, can appear at least online to be more authoritative than the person. Um, and I think sometimes that can have an anti-authority bias uh, and it can even undermine local accountability sometimes as well. So, you know, um, I think that's something to bear in mind. And, you know, pastoring people um, about their internet use is going to be um, a massive 21st century challenge, that's for sure. Uh, I'm very grateful that I have a pastoral covering for my blog. Um, if you ever see anything on there that you don't like, well, you can talk to me first. But if I'm not um, uh, helpful in that, which I hope I would be, um, then you can also uh, get in touch with uh, Toppy Colioso, who looks after uh, me. And at times I will ring him and ask his advice about something I'm thinking about putting on. And he knows that if there's ever anything that he doesn't like on there, I will take it down. And I think that's important. I really do. I think there are too many people online uh, who haven't got any sort of accountability whatsoever. And interestingly, some of the TV ministries are a bit like that as well. They're not really part of a church, not really part of a movement or a family of churches or a denomination. Uh, but it does mean that um, the old ways of validating things, you know, what's right, what's wrong, uh, tends to be uh, replaced by links from friends and Google ranking. And the days of a congregation being solely taught by their own pastor is surely over. And there can be a big divide, actually, between those who are on the web with it, you know, early engagers, those that are perhaps reluctantly on the Internet, not really doing much, and those who are completely offline. Um, and I think it's a bit difficult for you as a pastor if you're in, one, in that group as completely offline because you won't really know uh, what some of your guys are, are up to. Um, one of the biggest challenges um, of the Internet is, is a big transformation. We're living through uh, really changes that are probably uh, as great as the introduction as the printing press, um, and, uh, you know, possibly even as, as, uh, as great as the Industrial Revolution. Who knows? I mean, there's certainly massive change afoot. And I think in any change, it's always about leadership. And the Internet is no exception. Technology is all about leadership. And leadership is often defined as having followers. But I really feel that there are at the very least two different types of follower. And so as a result, two different types of leadership. Um, the first one is just simply influence. And uh, in a way, every time you read a book uh, and you make a change in your life as a result of reading that book, you've submitted yourself to that person's leadership. But that's not authority. And so you have influence and you have authority. Uh, and I think every single leader will be more gifted at one or other of those. Um, but in this day and age, you better make sure that even if you're more of the sort of authority, the positional leader, that you're actually influencing the people under you, that you're winning them over, um, and that you, know, and that you are uh, not just merely laying down the law, because that doesn't really wash anymore. Um, maybe it never did, but it certainly doesn't at the moment. And social media definitely helps you to develop influence, and it helps you to develop influence in your own context, actually, as much as it does anywhere else. Um, and if you're interested a bit more in this idea about two types of leader, 
um, then uh, I have a link there at the bottom of that slide on, on my blog. Just uh, You can just Google two types of leadership, perhaps for Adrian Warnock um, after it. Can we use technology to evangelize? Yes. I think we have to be very clear what our message is, and we need to be a consistent witness. We mustn't be what's called flaming and angry and hostile. Uh, we mustn't underestimate the power of, of coming out to our friends online. You know, sometimes uh, Christians will struggle to find time at work to talk to their work colleagues or friends about their faith. Um, but actually, they may feel more comfortable about mentioning it online. And perhaps that will lead to a conversation with someone saying, um, hey, hey, Adrian, I'm, I found you on Facebook. What's all this stuff you're talking about? Uh, and then you have the opportunity to have an on, um, a real-world conversation as well. But join the conversation on, well, online. It is a conversation. Um, and I think we need to produce excellent resources that don't just merely sing to the choir. It's very important, our resources online. And we must realize that, you know, everybody from an atheist to a Muslim to a gay rights activist uh, to all kinds of different people may well tune in to your, your resources, especially written ones, but even uh, audio, they may have a listen. And again, I say it again, it cannot replace face-to-face discipleship. What are these principles in? I want to talk about some principles for our online lives. I'm going to flip through this, really. Um, you should know all of this, but it's good to perhaps have some biblical roots for it. The first one is to avoid self-promotion. I love that phrase there, let another praise you, not your own mouth. Uh, and that can be a bit of a challenge. Um, but at the same time, we do need to use the voice that God gives us, I would say, to honor him and also to direct readers to others. You'll see that in my tweets, I will often link to other people. And I would encourage you, once you get into Twitter, don't just promote your own stuff, promote other people's stuff. It's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. But at the same time, and this is the fine line, really, that we have to walk with social media, is that social media are personal. They're meant to be personal. And we shouldn't hide who we are. And uh, I think that's quite important. We don't hide who we are. Uh, we need to be like a city on a hill. Uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, and so it's not wrong to let our light be shining before others. And f- threading that um, needle, if you like, between on the one hand being self-promoting, which is clearly wrong, and on the other hand being so self-effacing that we, that we don't do anything uh, online or in other ways to, to get the message out, then I think is obviously unhelpful as well. So we need to think carefully about that. We need to pray about that. We need to be wise about that. We need to talk to uh, our other leaders about that and just discuss that and make sure that we're, we're treading that path right. We need to beware the power of the keyboard. Bible talks about death and life being in the power of the tongue and, and so much uh, that is so true, but it's also true of the written word. And certainly, you know, in many ways, this social media stuff is a bit like a mix between the two. Uh, and of course, those of us who teach will be judged, uh, but we all do stumble. Um, and one of the challenges, I think, for pastors in particular, and particularly perhaps for new pastors uh, or church planters um, with all of this, is all too often you can ruin your witness with a, a single foolish tweet um, that is just makes you sound immature, uh, makes you sound angry, uh, makes you sound like the sort of person someone doesn't really want to follow. Uh, I'm not advocating being unreal um, online, obviously, um, but I think we need to be careful and we need to be wise about what we say. Um, and for example, we mustn't say too much. I think sometimes uh, if we just talking, 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 uh, it can be a problem and the same thing online. Um, and if we're hasty in our words, then the Bible says that's foolish. Um, and so we need to you know, take our time sometimes and think before we speak. Um, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. I think that could be written about many a blogger, many a Twitterer, to be honest. Um, how much better then to try and figure out ways to 
to do a soft answer online and to try and um, not stir up anger, but but calm it down. And just bear in mind, the internet captures careless words forever. You might delete it, but the internet doesn't. Uh, it's still there, and it can still come back to haunt you. But at the same time, don't say too little, because words are important. Um, and it's like, you know, a beautiful thing, basically, is what the Bible's saying here. Uh, the words of, of, of the wise bring healing. Um, you know, anxiety will weigh us down, but a good word can make us glad. Um, and your tweet could make someone else glad. Um, an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Um, and and it's, it's true. Um, and those of us, um, you know, who are uh, conscious of some sort of sense of a call, I think sometimes we can, you know, want to push ourselves forward too much sometimes. Um, and I think what's much better is just to make sure that our speech is gracious um, and that we're pure of heart. Um, and actually, you know, God, God has promised that he will raise those, such people up. Um, so we don't cast our pearls before swine, to use Jesus' words. And, you know, it talks there about not speaking in the hearing of a fool. Uh, I love these two because they kind of contradict each other. And I think they show the challenge we have with wisdom sometimes online. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Answer a fool according to his folly. And I think sometimes one needs to know the difference. And it's not always easy. Um, we mustn't reprove people. In fact, I wouldn't uh, ever suggest that we use the Internet to rebuke a character flaw. We must do it face to face. Sometimes we will discuss doctrine publicly, but even then, we must try and do it with grace. It's, in short, we must do unto others as we would have them do to you. You know, you could change that to tweet to others as you'd have them tweet about you. Um, and uh, that's um, not always followed by people, of course. So going back to our little communication thing, I've really been talking about the vision here, what, what, what's driving us and what our values are, if you like, behind all of this. Uh, but we'll start to move on now to think about um, the goal and, and particularly the audience that we're trying to address. So consider your audience. You have to contextualize everything. And so many leaders don't do this. So just take this example. If you look at a rural church versus a city church, in a rural church, you know, the church's own building may become very well known in the town. I mean, when I say rural, I include sort of small towns perhaps as well. You know, church's building may become very well known. It may function as a community center. You know, you may sit on the high street. And in the old days, of course, they had a spire even. And, and everyone knows where it is. Everyone knows about the church. It's there. Um, and, and, and everyone knows it exists. And there's a tight-knit social circle. That means that word of mouth is probably the main thing you need. Uh, and community is a strong value, even among non-Christians often in the rural setting. In the city, however, um, few truly high-profile buildings exist. And so you do sometimes have to consider using a building that they already attend, not necessarily buying one at all, but hiring one. So we, uh, you know, we, we've been going a long time now, um, but we still um, rent a cinema. Um, and uh, the rest of the cinema is still used on a Sunday morning uh, and people come and watch movies. And uh, occasionally sometimes come, someone comes thinking they're watching a movie and they end up in one of our screens watching worship. But anyway, um, theatres, other places like that. Word of mouth is still important even in the city. But you can live right next door to a church for years and never know about it. Um, and of course, the other thing about community is that many want anonymity initially. So, you know, arguably, um, you know, the more like a city church you are, uh, the more you're going to need this technology. But I think even in the rural settings, the technology is coming on stream. Uh, it's just the need for it is perhaps not seen quite as greatly. And so you have to contextualize. You need to think about the audience. So what we're doing until reach people that we already know. Now, you might be surprised by, by this, but let's not forget the best methods to reach someone you already know in your church, in your town, is by face-to-face. -face. It's by phone calls. And I know, um, you know, phone calls are very important. 
um, and just picking up the phone. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I haven't seen you for a week or two. You're right. Is everything going okay in your life? Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Um, text messages, though. I think um, those you'll notice that actually I've not so far mentioned any of the sort of internet technologies, but I think text messages are not um, widely enough used in the church setting. Uh, and, and it's really important to consider uh, the use of text. And we've been doing this more and more in recent, uh, recent times. Uh, almost 100% of the population own a mobile and almost 100% of messages that you send to someone's message to mobile by a message, by SMS, by text message will be read. Uh, it's highly personal. It's trusted. You can only send a message to someone who has your mobile number. So people tend to read it. They tend to listen. They tend to act on it. You can include a web link for someone to click on. Remember, at least half of the people will have uh, a smartphone so they could follow a web link. But there are a couple of disadvantages. You um, obviously can't easily reach new people through uh, text messages. I mean, there are ways of doing that. But by and large, you need to persuade people to give you their mobile phone number in some way for you to contact them. Uh, and you obviously can't really send graphics. Um, tips for text. Don't text too often. Be aware of... Uh, misinterpretation and don't ignore incoming texts um, so bear, bear in mind that anything you write can be misinterpreted I would suggest having different groups different lists if you like for your regular events and also for your special events we have high Sundays we call them you know Christmas Easter um, you know the start of each term and, um, and and then maybe one or two other times in the year as well uh, where we send more people. We've started using this thing where you can text to a certain number. You might have seen these on some adverts sometimes. So you can text Jubilee to 60777 and you'd get our text messages automatically. Um, and it's worthwhile just adding the unsubscribe message uh, on at least some of those texts so that people know how to stop them when they want them. And the tool we use for that is text local, text local. It's quite cheap and they have a charity account. What about email? Open rates, believe it or not, on email can often be under 40%. Less than 40% of people who get an email will actually open it. The click rates can be under 5%. Um, spam filters now can, can catch you if you're not careful about what you're doing. Um, and there's also this thing called Google Tabs, uh, which is causing trouble for a lot of people as well who are sending out emails. Um, you need to use them, therefore, with other channels. Email still has its place, uh, but don't rely on it solely. Um, the tools we use are MailChimp for our email list, HiRise, uh, and Wufu. And uh, between those three things, that really makes up our church database. Uh, some of those things are free. Some of them require a small amount of money each month. All of them are an awful lot cheaper than the commercial church databases that you can buy. And again, with email, don't ignore incoming emails. You'd be amazed at how many times churches will get emails and they don't bother answering them. And that email may be someone who wants to come to your church. Uh, reaching people who know your church members. Again, the best ways of way now are words of mouth, but also social media becomes into it and the website comes into it too. Um, give members the tools to use, leaflets, messages to share on social media, for example. They might want to retweet something you say, but encourage them by other methods. And so some of these other methods will help your church members feel positive. So um, I'll talk about publicity in a moment. If your church member sees some publicity, then I think that can help them as well to feel like I'm part of something big here. I'm part of something that's going well, part of something helpful and positive. And, and then they can talk to their friend and their friend might say, oh, yes, I saw the billboard about that. Or I saw that on the back of a bus or whatever. And now we're on to publicity. Um, we need to make sure that our websites are easily updated. I would suggest using WordPress. There's something called Google Places that you really must make sure you're on. Um, and also any other directions you can find 
uh, to list yourself as a church on. Um, you need to think about how you're going to reach distant friends who might recommend local people. And really, you're down to social media and website here as the main ones. Now, for communication, we need to have one look, one message, one voice, one purpose, but many channels. Um, so again, publicity, a little bit more on that. Uh, leafleting, newspapers, buses, billboards, we use all of those. Um, and we try and have a, a unified personality. So for us, we use the phrase informal church, and we also use the phrase church in the cinema. Um, and that really facilitates a personal invitation. Um, and it's very important, actually, that your publicity reflects the current reality. So someone going to your church should recognize your church from the publicity. If they look at your, the publicity and it looks like you're in a stadium and there's a thousand people there, um, then, you know, even someone in your church is going to say you're basically lying. But at the same time, it's going to reflect your future aspiration as well. So uh, you have to think that through very carefully. Um, you don't want to look like just a ragtail group of three people meeting in a front lounge. But at the same time, you have to be honest and uh, honorable in the way in which you communicate. Okay, so next. Your church internet site. Um, what I'm saying here is try and avoid totally outsourcing something. I mean, you may need some help from outside the church. But if you can make sure that whoever you get to help you reflects your values um, and that you can then easily update it yourself afterwards, such like a WordPress. Otherwise, sometimes people charge loads of money for you to change even one page. And you really want to be changing your website every week, putting new information up. Uh, I've already talked about being truthful. Think about who you're trying to attract and who you're not. So I use that phrase in informal church. We use that partly to attract people who want that, but also to tell people, you know, as they're looking at publicity, look, if you're looking for smells and bells and incense, then go somewhere else. Um, and uh, remember that your website is going to be your church's online home. And it's quite okay for it to feel like a home. Most people who look at it are probably going to be your members actually down the line. But actually, it, it's like the lounge, if you like, where you will invite people in and to have a little look. They're not necessarily going to dig and delve right to the back of it, um, but some people will. So make sure the front page uh, is attractive, is interesting, draws people in and makes them think, yeah, I'd like to find out more about that. Media, I'm not going to really talk about this much. Um, I think, you, you know, you, you really want to think quite early on about using MP3s at least. Um, but video is something you could consider and there's some tools there for that. And uh, even a mobile phone app is something to consider um, at some point. And uh, obviously there's some cost involved in that, but we've used Splashdash. They're not too bad. And um, they, they've, they've been quite good to us. Um, so there you go. Make Google your friend. You need a high ranking for church, your town. So church Enfield, church Manchester. Um, one of the ways to do that is to use keywords in the title text. Make sure you've got some writing on your page. So many church websites don't have any actual words they just have graphics well that's not going to help you with google and you want some external links back in don't pay someone to do seo though that's really not a good use of your time and can get you banned from google so it can be counterproductive um, have a regularly updated part of the site either a blog or a news section or a podcast feed because they like that lots of text um, and get as i say into google places and other directories and maybe link to a few other churches on your website and ask them to link back to you churches that you relate to locally perhaps then it can help you can each help each other that way um, a, a blog is just a regularly updated website uh, you can drop the word even sometimes if you like um, although it's a word that i think will be with us now it's just shortened from weblog um, don't forget your potential audience here is the entire internet community people can subscribe but increasingly a lot of people read blogs through twitter uh, and, and Facebook, although there are some challenges with Facebook as far as blogs are concerned. Um, but having a blog massively helps the Google rankings, which we were talking about before. 
Be careful about comments. You may decide just not to have any. can be quite dangerous, especially on a church website. Uh, you'll need to have someone moderating them otherwise. Um, but, you know, if it's more of a personal one, then perhaps you can get away with it. Um, but be aware that you can get nasty people on comments. Facebook, they say, is for keeping in touch with the people you know. Keeping um, in touch with the people you know. Uh, it's for reconnecting with old friends. Um, it has groups. It has fan pages. It has events. And all these things, are, in my view, are a necessary pain in the neck. They're, it's quite complicated. I don't think you need a degree to figure out how to work Facebook. Um, sharing photos is a big thing for Facebook. People don't really realize that. But pictures, pictures, pictures. Um, and in many ways, uh, that's, I think, why Facebook bought Instagram. I'm not really talking about Instagram today, but Instagram is very, very popular amongst young people today. And so it might be worth considering getting involved in Instagram as well. But photos of events, things like that. Happy birthday messages, sending a message to someone in your church. Or, but also you might be able to find local people through Facebook and connect with them or perhaps even advertise or promote to them. Um, there are problems with Facebook though. You get in excessive showing off. You get the whole, my life is better than yours, look at my baby. I mean, that's fine to a certain extent, but not too much of it. And you get negativity with my life sucks and complaining and ranting. And, you know, it's also named in 30% of UK divorces. Can you believe that? One in three divorces have Facebook as part of the issue. And the other problem with Facebook is increasingly posts that you send out are not seen by everyone who has um, subscribed to see them. Um, and that's deliberate on the behalf of Facebook. Um, they're trying to discriminate against people who are sending traffic away from Facebook. And they're also trying to make you pay for your publicity. And you can do that. You can boost a certain post and spend money to do that. Uh, and you can target people in your vicinity as well, especially if you're in a big city. You can do that quite well. Twitter, they say, is for following people you wish you knew, uh, which I think is quite funny. Um, but really, it's answering the question, what's happening in 140 characters? Uh, it's often, what are you thinking or what have you found that's interesting? And I think it's John Piper that said, sentences change lives. And he's right. A simple phrase can turn us around. Um, and so I think it's very helpful to put those sorts of phrases out there. And many tweets will also include a link to an external website like a blog. And for me, that's done semi-automatically. Um, I actually do sometimes change the titles a little bit for Twitter. Uh, there are limited promotion opportunities on Twitter, but viral spread can definitely happen. So what should you do on Twitter? A few twi tip tips about Twitter. I'm nearly uh, ready to go into the question time. Um, join Twitter now as an individual. If you're not on it already, you should be. Forget, not forget Facebook. You have to be on Facebook. Facebook's bigger. But you'll find Twitter is fun, um, and it's actually quite useful and quite handy, and I would strongly recommend you getting on it. Um, follow a good mix of people, other Christian leaders that you like, your local MP, your mayor, other uh, figures in your local community, uh, people who retweet or post things that you like. So if you find something um, uh, you know, that someone's written and maybe one of your followers has retweeted it, well, follow one of the people you're following. I mean, well, follow the original source as well, you know? And uh, people do have a different view. Some people go into Twitter and they don't follow very many people. Personally, I think follow loads of them. Find keywords and tags uh, to help find local people, people you're interested in following. Uh, follow back um, and use lists. So, yeah, if you, want, if you do end up finding that you're following way too many people, you can set yourself a private list and select from your followers the key people you really want to follow. So if you've not got as much time that day to, to read Twitter, you can just read those. So that's what I do. Um, that's my little secret. Um, and of course, your first follow will, of course, be me. You know, I mean, go, that goes without saying. I'm kind of kidding. But, um, but do interact and give back on Twitter. Make sure you realize it is this interactive two-way thing. And if you're stuck for what to say, I have a blog post just to help you. 
um, I reckon there's at least 20 different types of tweet that you can send out. Um, so I encourage you uh, to go read that and uh, that will give you inspiration to fill your newfound Twitter account. There's so much useful information in there. Hopefully you found some practical things that you can do as your next steps in your church. Just to remind you, you can find the full notes on this Hangout, as well as the Q&A that we had with Adrian after, at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 6. And on thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can find our full archive of all of our church plants and resources, Hangouts, articles, podcasts, and so on. You can also give us your email address and we will let you know about all of our upcoming hangouts so you will never miss one again.